Hello? Hey, thanks, Rick. Um, hey, just uh, before Caitlin comes to speak uh, this morning, uh, last, on our series on blind spots, last week we talked about the blind spot of busyness. And um, to my surprise, I, I put rubber bands in the front. Um, how many of you how many of you actually did that for this week? Anybody try that this week? You can raise your hand. This, this helps me. Okay. But a lot of you took it, and I think you were just taking them to shoot at other people. <laughs> Which is both discouraging and encouraging. I don't know how that works. In fact, somebody in the congregation shot one at me that very morning. I won't say his name because he's not here. But um, I think God will repay Patrick Lind <laughs> for what he does. Um, but um, I, wanted to, I wanted to encourage you, uh, that being a reminder, that a physical reminder to give our best time to God. And, and every time you would, uh, you know, it, it might, um, you might kind of, you know, remember it during the week because it's something different. It kind of pulls against your skin in a certain way that you would just take time out to say, God, wait a minute. Let me prioritize you. Uh, let me prioritize. Uh, let me give myself back to you. Um, if you've done that, or you had an experience this week, maybe it was an observation, maybe it was a, um, um, you know, an experience at doing it, uh, would you share that with me or one of the other pastors? We would love to hear those stories. And, and moving into this week, one of the things that you can try is to be proactive. Maybe like every Sunday, even for me when I did it this week, I found myself doing it a lot, but really, but quickly, now the last two or three days, this has become very normal for me. So this week I need to change it up. Now that might mean taking another ring and putting it on another finger for you. Maybe it's, hey, I don't usually wear you know, this, but I'm going to wear this this week. That every time it hits me, it, 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 it triggers me right, uh, to do that. Or maybe it's even taking out your phone and setting just random alarms on your phone that every time they go off, you know, maybe it's the top of an hour or every, you know, every 185 minutes it would go off for you. And that would just make you stop and re recalibrate. But anyways, uh, we wanted to follow up because so many people uh, took rubber bands and we want to encourage you to do more uh, to spend time, uh, spend time with our father. Anyways, uh, more than enough. Uh, Caitlin, come and lead us uh, this morning on, on our current blind spot. All right. Good morning, church. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, I just want to encourage you and just continue to echo all that Pastor Eric said. If you've been following along with us this, this whole uh, series, the point of the series is not just to hear about these things, uh, these blind spots on a Sunday and go home and, and forget them. Our hope really was for our church and for our people to look honestly at these blind spots, uh, to repent of them, to actually change and take a step towards Christ. Um, and so if you did do that rubber band activity or you, you know, are going to do one of the other options that Pastor Eric said, uh, let us know. And um, if it slipped your mind this week, no worries. Try again this week. Um, take one next step towards pursuing uh, Christ this week. Now, today we're going to continue in our series called Blind Spots. And just another summary, if you haven't been with, been with us, this sermon series came about uh, through what CLC has called a prayer action plan. And apparently it was uh, 
put together uh, by leaders years ago in CLC who came together and identified different areas, blind spots um, that the church and our people struggled with um, and, and really wanted to encourage the people and the leaders to repent of these things, to be aware of them and to, again, move towards Christ. And so just as these areas of growth were relevant for our CLC however many years ago, uh, we revisited them because we realized these are still areas of growth for us. They're still uh, areas where we can, um, we can change um, and that still might apply to us today. And so the last few weeks we've talked about self-sufficiency, uh, conflict resolution, uh, pride and, and looking inward only, busyness, that's what Pastor Eric talked about last week. And today I have the privilege of covering the next blind spot. Uh, and, and I think it might hit a little bit close to home for a lot of us. This is something that I see uh, being a real struggle, especially for us living in the Bay Area, and maybe even as Asian Americans. The topic that I have the privilege of unpacking with you today is, it's a mouthful, so, is seeking security or status through material affluence. Everybody else got one word. I got like this whole phrase, <laughs> seeking security or status through material affluence. Um, and we're going to unpack that in just a little bit. But I, I just want to say, in me saying that, I don't know if any emotions came to mind for you. Uh, don't worry. I'm not going for guilt today. I'm not here to shame anyone for having money or material possessions. That's not the point of today. Um, and, and we know the Bible has, you know, its own stuff to say about that. But what I wanted to do today was to tackle the heart issue behind this blind spot. I want us to go deeper and wrestle with the, the messier heart matter that leads to seeking security and status through material affluence. And so as we get into this, I invite you to keep an open mind. Again, that's really the only way that this series will have any effect in our lives. Keep an open mind. Um, be open to what God might be speaking to you or pointing things out in your own life um, and, and just be, be open to it. And let, let me just pray for us before we dive in. Um, that the word will fall on open eyes and ears and fertile soil. God, we thank you so much uh, this morning for who you are. Um, you are great. You are mighty, powerful. You are gracious, kind, compassionate, and faithful. Lord, we thank you for the reminder of that as we were singing uh, and worshiping you corporately this morning. Thank you for being an amazing God. And thank you, Lord, for your wisdom uh, and the words that you have given us through your word. Um, we pray this morning that uh, as, as uh, your word is preached, that um, CLC would have open eyes and ears and minds, that uh, your words would again fall on fertile soil, that would, we would hear these things and a desire to be changed by them, uh, not not walk out of these doors unchanged, Lord. And so we have great expectations and um, that you will do mighty, mighty things, more than we can even ask or imagine uh, if we would only listen 
and only be open. So help us to do that this morning, Lord, and uh, be with me as I speak your word. May they be pleasing and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we all pray, amen. All right. So again, the topic for today, seeking security or status through material affluence. Uh, If we break that down a little bit smaller, um, we get to see this. The, The material affluence part is the angle that we're taking. It's the the means, the how. It's the thing that we turn to to get the real thing that we ultimately want. So what do we ultimately want? That's the beginning part. Security or status. Security is the real desire. Security is the end. It's the thing deep down inside that every single person, if we're honest, really wants. And so the heart of today's blind spot is a matter of security, or rather, insecurity. Now, what comes to mind when I say the word secure? Any words or images come to your mind? I think uh, stable, solid, unshakable, immovable, firm, safe. You know, I was sitting over there, and as we were worshiping, I was watching that tree and the wind just going everywhere. And just imagining that tree is pretty secure. I don't think it's going to fall down and, you know, hit our church or anything like that. It has deep roots. It's been there for a long time. Even the winds and the rain and the storm, it's not going to move that thing very much. I think of a house or a structure that's built on solid and firm foundation. That same thing, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to move when something happens. It's strong, it's steady. Now what does that look like in people? What does a secure person look like? Again, someone who is stable, who is unshakable in their identity and worth, no matter what external circumstances may come up, someone whose value is safe and steady, right? Now, if I were to ask you, would that be a word you would use to describe yourself? The way you carry yourself in the world, the way you see yourself or are perceived by other people. Are you a secure person? I want you to think about that. Keep thinking about that. You see, the truth is, again, we all want security. It's a very human thing. We all want to be secure, to be free from danger and threat and to feel safe in our lives. And it's a very good thing to want, right? To to desire this, this peace of feeling secure and safe. But what happens when we don't feel that? Well, we become the opposite, right? We start to feel insecure. And when we feel insecure, we get anxious, and when we get anxious, we start turning to all these things to help fix that problem and to help fill that security in some way. And the problem, or the blind spot is, we start turning to things that will ultimately not give us true and lasting security, that will ultimately not satisfy us. That's where the problem lies. Now, where does that insecurity come from, right? Because God 
God originally made this world good. Remember Genesis 1 to 2? We see a, a perfect and right world and a right relationship with God and people where humans felt safe and secure and loved. And unfortunately, we know the story through the fall and sin entering into the world, that security was ultimately threatened, right? We, we, we began to react to our lack with anxiety, competition, with survival, with literally uh, just relying upon ourselves to fill that void. And since then, up until today, it's affected every part of our lives. It's affected us. And so you ask, where might this insecurity come from? Well, many things, I think. Uh, For example, for us today, when you think about it, it could depend on how you grew up, uh, what kind of environment or place you were raised in, what uh, your parents or your family communicated to you. It could have been firsthand experiences, right? You've, uh, you have personally experienced struggle and hardship and challenges, maybe financially, or maybe you've seen other people in that space. For example, I look at my own uh, family and upbringing. My dad, my grandparents, maybe you've heard this story before, they came to the United States from Indonesia when my dad was very young. And my grandpa, he had a heart for the Lord. He wanted to come, uh, he went to seminary in Missouri. That's why we're Kansas City Chiefs fans. Um, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he wanted to pastor a church. Um, And when I... When I hear my dad talk about this, he, he really has this, um, his way of describing it. You know, as immigrants, they were very poor. They didn't have much. Uh, he recalls moving around a lot and never being in the same place for very long. And it being kind of very uncertain, very nomadic. And again, when he talks about it now, he talks about how because of that, he has become this person who really just wants to work hard. He, all he wanted to do in life was work hard, get a good paying job so that he could provide a better life for his own family and his own parents growing up, right? It, it's a version of the American dream. And he did it. He worked hard, became a doctor, rose up the ranks, and our family and I have had the privilege of not worrying about not having enough growing up like he did. In fact, I've had more than enough. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have similar stories in your family of of struggle, of lack, of working hard to make it in America. Maybe you've experienced hardship and you want something more for your family and yourself. Or maybe it's just the the world that we live in. I mean, especially in the Bay Area, right? This message that uh, has been repeatedly communicated to us, you need to achieve, Uh, you need to make a lot of money, get a good job right out of college. You need to invest your money because if you don't, it's not wise. You need to do this, this, and this to make it. You need the newest technology that comes out, the newest iPhone. You need to buy and own your own house because renting doesn't make sense. You need X, Y, and Z to be secure. That's, that's like the message that we're bombarded with every day, especially where we live. 
See, the world has tapped into something very real, our desire and our need for safety and security. But unfortunately, it's become twisted and it's capitalized on our fears and instinct for protection and our survival. The bottom line is we all want this thing, security. But as you can see, so many things in life threaten that. The truth is we will always be insecure if our security is found in earthly things. We will always be insecure if our security is found in earthly things. Now, like we established earlier, the heart issue, security, um, is what we're talking about. But the means or the how we try to obtain it honestly varies from person to person. Uh, In our case in particular, we're talking about material affluence, we're talking about possessions and money and wealth. Uh, But just to mention a few other ones, uh, sometimes we like to fix our insecurity by turning to people and their approval, uh, appearance, academic success, achievement, our reputation or our jobs, et cetera, et cetera. The list honestly goes on. Um, But regardless of what it is from person to person, we, we tend to seek to establish our security in anything and everything in this world that ultimately has no eternal value. And so this morning, feel free to fill in the gap with something maybe you personally struggle with if, if this topic is not the one that you mentioned. Um, it'll still be relevant. I promise you that. Uh, But for us today, we're going to be focusing on on wealth and material possessions. And the reason for this is because it's so easy for, for this to become our false security blanket. It's so easy. We like to think that wealth can provide security. And so for this reason, we work hard. We spend our lives pursuing this, um, and it's not necessarily the money itself, right? It's, it's what the money can buy us. Um, having money can get us nice things if you're into that, right? You can go on nice vacations and travel the world. Uh, it can help you buy a house and start a family. You can put it towards retirement and enjoy and secure a comfortable life as you get older. It has all of these immediate benefits And it seems to give us a sense of security and assurance that we're going to be okay, right? That's why it's so tempting and attractive. But even Paul wrote to Timothy to warn and teach the people in his care to be wary of this type of thinking. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. It's in 1 Timothy, right? So here he says money is unreliable. It's uncertain. It's not worthy of your trust. But God is trustworthy. And he gives richly, lavishly, all we need for our enjoyment. The point is we will always be insecure if our security is found in earthly things. Think about it. Any earthly thing that you turn to for security can ultimately be taken away. Right? Think about uh, a child. I think, I think maybe it was last Super Bowl I saw this commercial. But uh, think about a, a kid who has, like, a favorite toy, 
or something. And you use it every night for bedtime routine and they love it. They need it. And you just do that for so long. It's become the thing that they associate with love and security and warmth. And, and one day you just can't find the toy anymore. It's gone. You either left it I don't know, somewhere it got old, you had to throw it away. You just can't find it anymore. And that child just screams bloody murder because they just want their toy back. I I feel like I will learn that in a few years when that happens, you know, not from a commercial, but um, it's the same idea, right? Now, what about us? If your security is found in your money, what happens when you lose your job? What happens when uh, the stock market crashes or the economy is not doing so well? If your security is placed in your house, what happens if you um, have to move out or there's an earthquake or you had to downsize for some reason? Or if it's in your things and your possessions, what happens when they break down and uh, there's a commercial for the next new thing? You see what I'm getting at? If you receive your security in these earthly things, you will never be secure. You might think you are. Your money, your things may provide an immediate sense of of joy and security because you're living comfortably, you're not lacking or struggling, um, but ultimately, that security is, is false. You will actually always be insecure because Any of those things can be taken away from you at the drop of a hat. And a lot of times it's outside of our control. You're dependent on something that is undependable, relying on something that is unreliable. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he zeroes in on this very issue. Uh, He says this in Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? This is a a very familiar passage to a lot of us. And Jesus makes this very distinction between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. Right? Treasures on earth, they fade, they don't last, they're temporary. Treasures in heaven, they're everlasting. Treasures on earth, they always leave you wanting more. You never have enough. Treasures in heaven, they lead you to live a life of contentment. Treasures on earth can be stolen or taken away. They can be threatened by things outside of your control. And they won't get, go with you when you die, ultimately. But treasures in heaven, they're eternal. They last for eternity, even after we pass from this life. Friends, Jesus was a very, very, very smart man, a very wise teacher. And he was fully human and fully God. Do you get that? Like he understood life on earth and in heaven. He has the full perspective. He sees the bigger picture and out of love for us, he's saying, hey, pay attention to this. Like, don't waste your time. Let me tell you what really matters in the grand scheme of things. Let me tell you where to focus your time and effort and money in this world because I know the truth about reality and of life. You want security? Put your treasure, put your heart on the things of God, 
because those things will last. You see, we're always going to be insecure if our security is found in earthly things, but true security is found in Christ alone. So where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Where is your security? Ultimately, it comes down to a matter of trust. Another way to see that question is, in what or whom am I putting my ultimate trust in? It's myself, my money, my retirement, my things, or is it God? Do I trust God? Is my security and my safety found in him alone? Do I trust that the things of God are, are more secure than the things of this world? Maybe ask yourself, why is God trustworthy? Start there. It's interesting that right after Jesus exhorts the people to not store up treasures on earth, that that's not ultimately where true security comes from, he addresses a real and felt fear or anxiety in his listeners. He knows the things that people worry about. He understands the hardships of everyday life and how easy it is to stress about not being secure. And so he, he says this to them, and we're just going to read it straight through, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, I love this because Jesus gets it. He knows that it's a very human need and desire for security. He knows that when we don't feel secure, what naturally comes up is, is a feeling of anxiety or worry or stress. And he doesn't shame us about it. He acknowledges it, right? And it says here, he also knows that you need certain material things to survive and live in this world. It's just a reality. You, you need those things. Verse 32, your heavenly father knows that you need them, right? So God knows. He gets it. He understands. He knows that life can be hard and each day brings its own troubles. And yet he still says with confidence, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't 
let your insecurity consume you and drive you to pursue these things that will ultimately not satisfy. Trust me. And he gives you reasons to believe him. He says, hey, look at the birds of the air. See how God feeds them with the flowers of the field, how lavishly he clothes them. Not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these, right? Are you not much more valuable than they? Will he not provide for his children even more so? As much as a father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly father provide that? Saying, don't worry. I will provide all that you need. And instead, he points us to something else. He says this in verse 33. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Now, don't hear what I'm about to say. This is not at all a prosperity gospel thing. He's not promising that you're going to get rich and have a nice house and get everything you've ever wanted in life. Um, He's not promising that you will always be safe and never go through any struggle or hardship. What he's saying is that, he's saying, seek me and you're going to find true security that leads to heavenly treasure. He's saying, seek me and you're going to find true peace from the anxious thoughts that come each and every day. Seek me and live in true freedom because nothing can take me away. That's why you don't have to worry. That's where you can find true security. True security means being secure in Christ, sufficient in him alone and his kingdom, seeking after him and his righteousness. What does that even look like? And that can be a whole other message in in and of itself, but seeking after him, it means we do things differently. We pursue God's will above our own agenda It means living in a new way where we're seeking to become uh, people of his kingdom, people who love God and love people. It means seeking the things of God over the things of this world. And ultimately, it means trusting him to provide, trusting in him so we can be generous with the things he's given us uh, so that we can give him his first and best of our time and our money and our things, trusting him so much so that we're able to hold everything that we have in this life with open hands so that even when we don't have a lot of money, when we don't uh, have good paying jobs or maybe when we lose our jobs, when we don't get the house that we put the offer in for, we're okay. We're okay. We're gonna be okay. Why? Because we know what the real deal is. We know what truly matters. That, that's what true security looks like. Another way to look at it is, is this. Do you remember that short uh, little parable in the book of Matthew? It goes like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. 
Now, reading that, I'm thinking, everyone else must have thought this man was absolutely crazy, (laughs) right? Like, was it wise? Did it financially make sense? Like, what would his financial advisor say to him? You know, probably don't don't do that. (laughs) Don't sell everything to buy this field or this property, because who knows what the market's going to look like in a few years. Have a fallback plan. Keep some savings just in case this doesn't work out, right? All the things that we as logical people would probably advise this man. But no, it says he sold all he had and bought the field. Why? Because he was secure. He was confident. He knew what he had found. This hidden treasure was worth everything. Nothing else compared. It's the real deal. And it can never be taken away. It can never be threatened or broken or lost. It's secure. And when you realize that, when you realize the security you have in Christ, you're secure. You're secure for life. Nothing and no one can take it from you. Because no one can take back what Christ has done for you on the cross. No one can take away the eternity that he promises to all who believe in him. No one can snatch you from the Father's hands. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It is secure. You can lose your job, your house, your things. You can face suffering and persecution. You can experience hunger and and poverty and yet still never feel insecure a day in your life because your security didn't rely upon any of those things in the first place. Your security was in Christ and Christ alone. Can you imagine what it feels like to live like that? To live as a secure person in Christ, to be so confident that your life is in God's hands, confident that your deepest desires for safety and security are ultimately fulfilled in the work and person of Jesus Christ, that one day he's going to come and he's going to make all things new, and you're going to ultimately feel safe and loved and secure every single day of your life. Like, can you imagine that? It's freeing. It's peaceful. It's safe. It's like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. No need to worry No need to be anxious. And all of a sudden, everything that Jesus was saying makes perfect sense. We like to think that earthly things will ultimately bring us security, but it's a lie. It's a big, fat lie from the enemy. Those are the things that the scriptures say are are wasting away. They're temporary, fleeting, and meaningless. But the, the hope that we have as followers of Jesus in Christ our Savior is a security in the only thing that is lasting and eternal. Because true security is found in Christ alone. Now, as we close, I know we've been talking a lot about the fact that like that we should not find security in earthly things and that we should be secure in Christ alone and even why that's the better option, you know, why that makes sense. But you might still be left with the question, well, how? How do I become secure in my identity in Christ? I know that I should, but how do I actually get there? Well, 
I'm not going to tell you to sell all your things. You know, that's not the point of, again, today's message. But I think, honestly, it begins with prayer. It begins with prayer as a first response. That was the intention of this whole series and this prayer action plan, right? To, to combat these things with prayer as our first response and relying upon him first and foremost. For me, I've, I've struggled with this blind spot myself, like feeling insecure and filling that void with all these other things my whole life. And honestly, I used to, to just brush it off as just something I'd always feel, you know, like, oh, I'm always just going to, you know, be insecure or something like that. But it wasn't until recently that I've realized that Jesus offers a new way of life, free from insecurity, free from constant striving and feeling anxious. And I learned that in my time of prayer. Um, I learned that uh, I love to just sit in the car sometimes or when I'm driving somewhere, just by myself completely. And that's my time of prayer with the Lord. Um, And I like it because it's just me and him, like no one else is there. And I love it because in this time, it's, it's honestly what I've learned. It's in the time with the Father that he reminds us who he is and who we are as children of God. It's in these quiet times with him where he speaks and affirms his promises. And it's an honest prayer that we're able to come to him and be like, God, I'm worried about this, 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 and this. I don't know what I'm going to do about... Um, making rent this month or, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's in those times of honest prayer where you're able to lay those things at his feet and be comforted by our good shepherd. It's in prayer in those times and moments with God that we are reminded that we are safe and secure and truly loved by him. And nothing, no one can take that away. So this week, I'm not going to give you a list of to-dos, but I encourage you to think about that. Encourage you to get alone with God this week. Maybe you utilize the rubber band or whatever reminders that you need to take that time to be with him out of the busyness of our lives. But get alone with God and be honest with him. Lay down all the things that are, you're, you're worried about because he wants to hear them. He wants to listen to you and he wants to comfort you. But be honest with him and ask yourselves, where is my treasure? Where is my heart? Where does my security really come from? In what or whom do I trust? And you'll know. And I think I I am very confident that he's going to meet you in that. Because when we seek after him, he's faithful. He's faithful to meet us. How secure we are affects all aspects of our lives. It determines how we live, the decisions that we make, how generous we are, but even how we choose to operate as a church, right? Are we, as CLC, are we making decisions based on fear or anxiety or survival? Or are we taking steps in faith, trusting that God will provide, right? We want to be a people in a church like that. 
who store up treasures in heaven and seek his kingdom and righteousness first. We want to not just do things based on our own fears or our own human perspective, but we want to, to do, thing, do things God's way in the way that he intended. We want to be generous with our money and our possessions and give our first fruits and our best to God because he is worthy and he's got us. And we know in him we are safe and we are loved and we are secure. And so, again, I encourage you this week, spend some time, get alone with God, talk to him. And if this is something that he's bringing up, that there there are blind spots in your own life, I encourage you to lay that down, repent of those, and allow him to help you move towards him this next week. Let's close by saying... uh, our statements together. All right. We renounce seeking to establish our security and status through material affluence. We announce that we are secure and sufficient in Christ and our possessions belong to him. We affirm that our treasures are to be stored up in heaven, not on earth. We will teach and model giving the first fruits of our resources to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that ultimately uh, you are where our true security comes from. That in you, in what you have done, is being uh, children of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, um, that our identities are secure in you. That nothing can take that away. No one can separate us from your love. No one can snatch us from the Father's hand but that we are secure and safe in your presence. I pray, Lord, that you help us to remember that um, in in the midst of the busyness and the the real-life struggles of everyday life, where it's so easy to turn to all these earthly things that give us immediate satisfaction. I pray that you would help us identify those, to repent of those, to to lay them down at your feet, Lord, and ultimately to just... um, turn to you, to be confident, to rest secure, um, knowing that you have secured that for us already. We love you, Lord, so much. We pray for this week, for moments to get alone with you, to be with you, to pray to you, to lay down all these things at your feet, and ultimately to experience the the greatness of your love um, today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.